Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker Betting Show. I am your host, George Ellick, and as always, I am joined by Andy Holding, but we are delighted to as well welcome Johnny Ward back to the show as well as we look ahead to the Dublin Racing Festival this weekend. And later on, at the end of the show, we'll be asking the guys your questions as well ahead of the Cheltenham Festival. How are we? Johnny, we'll come to you first. Um, in, in Canada, we find you. I am in Canada. My first visit, yeah. So it's uh, early hours of the morning here. Declaration's just in. It's very, very cold. And I'm probably one of the only people in Toronto at seven in the morning who's worried about the Dublin Racing Festival at the moment. <laughs> I reckon that's not true. There are other people pouring over the form as well, you know. Um, I'm sure. Um, Andy, how are you getting on? Not not in Canada, in your in your usual no, abode. No, I must be doing something wrong. I've got Johnny Ward over in Canada today doing a podcast with him. And the one I did the other day with Sam Turner, he was in Dubai. There we so, go. Uh, yeah, um, very, very much um, the, the the on on the on the downward scale according according to those two. Well, Andy, www.skyscanner.com. It's great. You, you put in you put in an airport, you put in another one, and then you you buy your you buy your flights and off you go. That's it. Well, I could have gone to Dublin over the weekend, so that that that, that was about <laughs> as far as I was going to go. But uh, I've decided to stay put. Fair enough. Can't be missing the, the racing. And what a weekend's racing it is. Uh, we're going to go through uh, Saturday and Sunday at Leopardstown, um, focusing on the on the grade ones, uh, but also looking at, at all the races here in this whistle-stop tour of what promises to be a magnificent weekend's racing. Um, and we'll start with the 120. Uh, before we get into it, going to just point you in the direction of the Odds Checker app. Download it now and you can find the best prices, bookie offers, free bets, uh, and the best place terms, as well as Andy's tips, amongst others, straight to the app every single morning. But the 120 is the novice hurdle over two miles and six furlongs. And good land is the 11 to four favorite ahead of Sandor Clegane at 11 to two. American Mike, six to one. Uh, Kada Paris is 13 to two, as is Glen, uh, Glenclair West at 13 to two. Uh, 13 to two, we've all been caught as well. 14 to one bar those. Nine runners, Andy. Uh, we'll give you first run on the first. Yeah, I think it's interesting to see who we've ended up with. One or two defectors, a couple that have gone to the two-mile route rather than come here to the two-mile six route. Back in the day, this, used to be, this race used to be run over, I think it was 2-3 or 2-4. But now it kind of tends to lend its hand to those that maybe would be more inclined to go to the Albert Bartlett rather, rather than the, the, uh, the, the Ballymore. Um, but I think it's... A, it's a good test for a horse either way, um, whether they are a two-and-a-half-mile or a three-mile horse. Um, I think it's also good that we've got an English rider as well coming over. We've all been caught, who is a nice horse in his own right, and I, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't roll the dice uh, rather than perhaps take easier pickings on home soil. They want to find out whether he's good enough, and given that the second horse won at Cheltenham the other day in pretty convincing fashion and beat some good horses, I, I think he's definitely a player. I think the horse that sets the standard, and if Johnny agrees over in Ireland, would be uh, good land. I thought the, his victory when he won at the Christmas meeting was very convincing. He did it stylishly. I like the way he quickened up off the home turn, having made the running. That's always quite a difficult feat to do. The form, as far as it looks, seems to be fairly solid. We've seen Embassy Gardens, who was fourth, come out and absolutely rout his field the other day at Thurlis in a good time, and he's now one of the favourites for the Albert Bartlett. And we know that Barry Connell's obviously got a very good standard of horse this year. He's got um, the second favourite for the Supreme, Marine National, who won a grade one early on in the season. So it wouldn't surprise me if this horse was to perhaps follow suit on his way, perhaps to go to Cheltenham. Which race he'll end up in depends on how he'll get on. 
I, I think he'd probably be leaning towards perhaps the the um, the Ballymore because he's probably got a touch of class, whereas maybe the the Albert Bartlett tends to be won by a horse who can be kind of like a, a grinder rather than a quality Rolls-Royce horse. So that would be my take on the race. Um, obviously, you'd have to factor in the likes of Sandor again, uh, Willie's horse as well, and uh, American Mike, he, he's on a little bit of a retrieval mission, but let's not forget he's a proper grade one horse as well. So it's a good opener, but I, I, I think Goodland has probably got the uh, the best credentials coming into it as far as I could see. Goodland. 11-4 with Paddy's Hills, uh, Betfair Sportsbook, Unibet and Sporting Index. Uh, Johnny, how do you see it? Yeah, it's a fascinating race, to be fair, George. Good land, a very good ass leopards down the last day. Um, Maybe a little bit disappointing to see the second well-beaten since, but obviously, as Andy says, the fourth did boost the form. Um, I'd give American Mike one more chance, just the way the Cordinelli spoke about him last season and how relatively close he got to Fasal Vega. It does look very good now, as much as some of the, you know, the Cheltenham bumpers maybe um, had mixed results in terms of the form since. I I, I think, uh, just speaking to Gordon after Darren Royal, he was kind of... Um, inclined to forgive him that run and I think or after Navin rather and I think it was too bad to be true in some respects um, he's given them time to recover and they haven't given up hope and just at the prices I'm going to couple him as well with Keita Paris um, he'd buy obviously the stallion of Tiopu and he's very very hard to assess and I am speculating a bit here but um, you know he's uh, going to definitely appreciate stepping up and trip I think on better ground on pedigree he was sent off mad short price at Tremor the second ran a very very good race subsequently at Ferry House and just interesting after race Willie Mullen said I think he's far better than that. And um, so I, I think as much as he's come in a little bit since the, the anti-post prices, um, I think he's a very interesting horse stepping up and trip. Willie's a brilliant record in this race. He's absolutely dominated over the last um, seven or eight years. Um, and he's obviously strongly represented. But I think I think it's a very, very deep race. I think the favourite um, has plenty to, I think he'll have plenty to think about here. And obviously American Mike on a retriever mission, but um, I do find that Mullen's second string a fascinating runner here stepping up and trip. I think he's probably likely capable of a lot better. <clears throat> Yeah, second string there, Keita Perry, second string uh, as it looks at the moment. But the way the market's moving, as you say, um, how long will that be for? Um, because uh, Keita Perry is short as 9-2, to 4-1 to one in places. Betfred go 4-1, to 13-2, still best price available. That's with Skybet, who are also going a fifth of four. So nine runners there. If you want to play Keita Perry in that 13-2 to two is still there with Skybet, probably the way to play it. American Mike, 6-1, to one. Uh, that's with Coral and William Hill as well. So three there against the field from the guys. Uh, moving on to the second and uh, yeah, eight runners here with a four to eleven favourite. Mike, on a race this one. Uh, we've got the um, the Spring Juvenile Hurdle here over two miles. Lossy Mouth is the two to five favourite best price. That's with Unibet uh, with Garda Marceau, uh, five to one second favourite. Five to one second favourite. The fourteen to one third. William Hill, what are you doing? Um, Gust of Wind, fourteen to one there. Uh, Tekeo, fourteen to one. Ascending, twenty five to one. Um, three others making up the field there at forties, hundreds, and two hundred to one. And, you know, ignoring the the each-way thievery here, um, Johnny, is this set to be a procession for the favourite? Yeah, I think the angle here is to back um, this favourite for Cheltenham, to be honest. I've just been mightily impressed with her. And the yeah. fact that, you know, when she ran at Fairy House, it seemed to take them a little bit by surprise. That was obviously that big day at Fairy House where the, the, the three grade ones and the juvenile hurdle, which itself is a grade one really in all but name because of, you know, what the horses in it have achieved since then. The, the depth of juvenile hurdlers in Ireland this season is sensational. And we saw on Saturday as well, I think that the strength in Ireland um, is definitely superior to what uh, the British have in terms of juveniles. But look at this race. William Mullins has six runners in it, which is absolutely <laughs> astounding. And he's obviously, his owners have, um, they've, they've kind of gone after these young horses 
often from France and often with national hunt pedigrees. His two sons are daughters of great pretender here that were a source from France. The one that obviously is the dark horse um, is goes to wind, who's obviously hard to assess, but he, he can run second strings in this race, run well, but Lossie Mouth for me is still odds against for the Triumph, um, and I think that's the angle, I think she's been absolutely flawless, I was gobsmacked with how easily she won here at the last day, she obviously holds Gallimar so on that, who I can't see how uh, reverses the form, um, and Lossie Mouth, um, she looks as, as, as sensational, as, as I mentioned, this division is very strong in Ireland, JP McManus has a lot of very good horses off the flat, um, sort of flat flat red horses off the flat that have taken to the game like common practice but um, I, I do like the National Hunt kind of bred horses in, in juvenile hurdles and she's as good as I've seen in a long long time Lost your mouth there 2-5 to five for this one but still 11-8 to eight for the Triumph with Paddy's and Betfair Sportsbook um, does the um, do the numbers stack up with the, the eye test here Andy? Um, they do to a good degree she, she hasn't done what I would call a, a proper grade one time figure yet a grade one juvenile time figure as well. We've got a very um, strict kind of like line in the sand. What usually and what what usually wins a triumph hurdle and the number that usually wins a triumph hurdle. Um, and she's just a little bit shy of that at the moment. She has run a, a decent figure, but um, there, there there are others probably because they've just been in the kind of races that allow that pace to be generated. Have, have, have run a bit faster, like Comfort Zone, for instance. He's been in a a proper white hot race at Chepstow and he's racing the day at um, Cheltenham was more strongly run. So he's, he actually kind of like comes out better than Lossie Mouth, but visually um, you'd have to say that Lossie Mouth has looked, looked the best, looked the superior uh, force over in Ireland. Uh, as Johnny said, a victory first time out at Ferry House was against the bias, really. It was a very much a day where going around the inside of the track was beneficial. Um, you know, Zarak the Brave had a good run around the inner comfort zone, had a good run around the inner, and she went all the way around the on the wing, giving ground away, and still came out on top. I perhaps have expended um, uh, more energy than the others. Um, she was silky smooth when she beat a good field uh, at Leopard Sound the next day. Uh, obviously, Nuzri, I think he's probably the, the benchmark horse with regards uh, quality juvenile form over in Ireland. He ran against Blood Destiny. Uh, and and Lossie Mouth beat him just as easily. The fact that she's had a spin round Leopardstown as well has got to stand him in good stead. I think it's fascinating, as Johnny said, that Willie's got six horses in this race, and he did have Blood, Blood Destiny in it up until the final declaration stage. He's obviously going to go straight to Cheltenham with Blood, Blood Destiny. Um, and I think with a view to how the uh, the rest of this division, and particularly the Boodles hurdle, um, the landscape of that forms after this race, I think he's going to be the most fascinating because do a lot of these horses run on their merits? Do a few of them, let's say, like Takeo, take the view that if we finish close to the lossy mouth and she's rated 145 mm. or above, does that then compromise their chances for the Boodles? Because generally speaking, you want to be south of 135 to be a player in the Boodles. Tradition will tell you that. So, there's going to be a few sort of like connections and jockeys playing, playing another 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 game that we're we're not privy to, as as it were. Um, so with that in mind, I think Lossy Mouth will probably get a little bit of a a free run at this, for 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 want of a better word. Um, and I think it's going to be fascinating to see what's going on in behind. I'd certainly be going to be taking a view on uh, Takeo and seeing how he shapes up. Obviously, Garlamansu as well. Um, you know, do, do they do they go down the triumph hurdle route with her? Or do they switch her back? So 
I think there's going to be lots of subplots going on in this race. I think Lossy Mouth will win. Um, I personally have backed Blood Destiny for the for the triumph, so um, it'll it'll be a good head-to-head between those two if if they go um, to Cheltenham off the back of what we think is going to be um, you know some some very um, some very good performances. It's another great betting heat this time, but certainly some pointers to be had uh, ahead of the Chopper Festival next month. We can say that now, not long to go. Uh, but Lossy Mouth there, the, the, the very, very warm favourite for, for this one in the second at Leopardstown. On now to the um, race that Andy said to me just before we started recording, the race of the season so far. It is the Irish Arkle. And it's not often we have this, given the the wealth of, of talent that Willie Mullins has, has to hand. We spoke in the last about pitching some... Um, juvenile hurdles against each other, juvenile hurdlers against each other. But now, how about some of the best novice chasers, some of the most exciting novice chasers in the game right now? Appreciator is the two to one favourite for this one with William Hill and Unibet. Dysart Dynamo, 11 to 4. El Fabiolo, 6 to 1. Bambridge, 7 to 1. St. Roy is 12 to 1. Uh, Fidor, 14 to 1. Flamebearer, 25 to 1. Visionarian, 33 to 1. Eight runners for this one, Andy. And, you know, the, the amount of quality here. Uh, incredibly exciting to see how this one plays out. Well, I think this race basically epitomises Irish racing where we're at and the difference between Irish racing and UK racing and why I think Cheltenham, the Irish are so dominant at Cheltenham because this would never happen in the UK. You'd never mm. have a scenario where arguably the eight best two milers are all in against each other a month before the Cheltenham Festival. You know, they'd be ducking and diving and looking for little small races and little prep races. They're not wanting to burst their bubbles. But over in Ireland, there seems to be a totally different mentality. I'm sure Johnny will have a, a line on that too. But that's the way I'm thinking. I thought the Drimmore was the best race I'd seen um, going into the festival or certainly this up until now anyway, this season. But I think this race takes the biscuit because I, I think even, you know, you look at a horse like Visionarian, I mean, he, he's a top quality performer in his own right, and he's a, like a 50 to one shot here, which tells you all you need to know. I think the things with Appreciate It is that out of all Willie Mullins's horses or in this division so far this season, you'd probably suggest that he would be the most likely to maybe go up in trip at some stage. Uh, given that he's won a bumper over two and a half miles. And he's not one of those all guns blazing, all out horses like the likes of Dysart, Dynamo, El Fabiola, Flame Bearer are. I think they're genuine two milers that, I would say, would have little chance of getting two and a half. But I think they're very much in their comfort zone over two. two whereas I think appreciate it. You can imagine him popping away around Cheltenham over two and a half miles, almost like an Alaho. He's got that kind of lolloping style about him. He is definitely going to be taken out of his comfort zone here. I, I can't believe Dysart Dynamo won't go off in front here because that, he's just, that, that's him. You know, he goes off mm. like a Mustang. You've got Al Fabio, you've got Flame Bear. So I wouldn't want to be back in, appreciate it, at, at sort of two to one or below here because I think this is, like I say, this, the way this race is going to set up might not necessarily suit him ideally. I'm going to back two horses in this race just because of the way the race is going to be panning out. I'm going to be back in St. Roy and, and Phil Dore here. I'll probably be backing them both each way, 12 to 1, 14 to 1, respectively, because I think one of them will pick up pieces and be in the frame at the very least. So I'm going to be covering mistake. But I do like St. Roy because I think now he's settling better. He's definitely getting his act, to, act together. And because of the fact that he won't have anything to do with the early gallop, 
I think that, that'll take the pressure off him early on and it'll allow Mark Walsh to ride a race on him. And he was really good from the back of the second last year, last time out, when he picked up really well, got to the last and, and you know sprinted clear on the run. And his time figure was good. And I do like the fact that he's coming in here, not being entered up in the turners at Cheltenham. I think they, they've recognised he's a dead out-and-out two-miler and that they're not having a contingency plan with him. And you could argue that Phil Dorr was a little bit unlucky not to finish a bit closer, having made a bad mistake at a crucial moment in that Leopardstown race 40 days ago. I think it was the third last, wasn't it? The final ditch when mm. he lost a bit of ground against uh, St. Roy. And from that moment, he was always fighting a losing battle. But you definitely give him a pass on that. Um, and there's not a great deal between them on their previous run. So I think these two are definitely overlooked and overpriced for the wrong reasons. Um, their time figures suggest to me that they're at least as good as Dysart Dynamo and El Fabiolo anyway. Um, and yet you can back them at double figure odds. So my strategy is to play those two each way against the field, St. Roy and, and Phil Dorr. And hope that all eight turn up. Uh, and hope that all do. eight turn up. But they should yeah. do. You know, they're, mm. they're entered up. There's no reason, unless you know something goes wrong with them on the way to the races, why they wouldn't turn up. St. Roy, 12 to 1, pretty much across the board. Same for, for, for Fedor there. Although you are getting 16 to 1 for Fedor if you go to Ladbrokes. Um, so, Johnny, two against the field there for Andy, both each way. Um, how are you looking to play this? I am literally the exact same as Andy. Two horses, <laughs> the exact same two. I, I'm surprised that both are double figures. I mean, yeah. San Roy over hurdles here. He managed, he never actually finished place over hurdles here. He always ran well, but he was just kind, kind of, his limitations were shown. But the last day, I thought he jumped brilliantly. And I think as a prep for this race, considering the course and distance, the way that he was able to hunt away, travel away, and the pace angle in the race that Andy mentions. I mean, for me, as much as he's very good, appreciate it's very short, there's going to be a furious pace on here. None of these horses has fallen yet um, in the novice chase. And, uh, their jumping will be put under pressure but in general they're a very good set of jumpers Sam Roth for me I thought it was a revelation the last day I think confidence wise that'll do him the world of good um, and he was on about horses potentially not not being entirely interested in winning in a grade one earlier and that sounds absolutely daft but it is true when you're looking at his rating here he's 153 I think he will be staying in the grade one um, sort of route and he's an out now two miler and just the pace angle in the race I think you know um, Mark Walsh is just back from injury he's going to ride him with loads of confidence given the way he rode him the last day and Fieldor as well I think that mistake knocked, knocked the stuff out the last day he was very very well fancied Gordon Lilly thinks the world of him he's only getting a couple of pounds now in the wait for age but um, I think he can be forgiven that run he jumped very well at Navin when he beat Sam Roy the time before and uh, the two of them the big thing for me here is the pace angle in the race as as Andy mentions Dysart Dynamo he really only has one way of running in fairness to him the last year he did settle better Paul Townley spoke afterwards that he's probably just able to chill a bit more um, over fences and it suits him better than Hurdlin but at the same time this is going to be set up for a closer in my view and the two of them are knocking each way about presuming the dead eight run there we go an agreement from the guys two strong each way bets there um in the Irish Arkle, double-figure prices, uh, both from St. Roy and Fidor. Um, we'll stick with you here for the Irish Gold Cup, Johnny, in the 3.05. Galapan de Champ is the 4-11 to favourite. Seven runners here, sadly. Uh, Statler, 9-2, second favourite. Kenvoy, 14-1. to 25-1 Fury Road, any second now, 33s. The Big Dog, 40-1. to And Franco de Port, 50-1. to um, You know, I came to you asking if, if Lossy Mouth would be a procession. I think your your answer, in short, was, was probably... Um, Galapin de Champ here to lay down, um, you know, his marker as being the one to beat in the, in the Gold Cup next month as well. Yeah, I can't really pick any hole in him here. And, you know, his main <coughs> challenge Sheldon essentially are not here. And um, so he should win. Um, you know, he's it's hard to believe that he was 
sent off the price he was um, at Cheltenham when he won a, a handicap hurdle and what he's done since. He's a brilliant jumper. Um, obviously, he you know he looked brilliant at Cheltenham last year. I think he was probably a bit flattered considering uh, the runner-up, what he's done since Bob Ollinger, but um, he's been flawless since. I, I can't pick a hole in him. There's no angle in the race whatsoever apart from um, to put him into an ACA with the, the other shorties on the weekend, nearly all trained by Willie Mullins. Um, I think he's good for racing this horse. He's a really breathtaking jumper. Um, I think people will latch on to him. He's going to be heavily back to Cheltenham. And I think um, bookmakers this weekend, a lot, a lot, there's just going to be a hell of a lot of accumulators because it's not really attractive back in a horse at the price he is. But um, not only can I not pick a hole in him, if, if he does have a challenger at Cheltenham, I don't think he is a challenger here. Um, I don't think any of these is good enough to beat him. 13 to 8 currently for the Cheltenham Gold Cup. Um, would you be playing a player at that price after what we saw, you know, last weekend? Um, I, 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 I think that's short enough to be honest. I think, I think Cheltenham is, is, is a bit deeper. We'll see if Henry De Bromwich's horse comes back, and you know the, the, you know the, the after Tarrant, the vibe seems to be pretty good about him. Um, I'd be willing to wait. Uh, closer to the day I think that this is a it's, it's going to be a far deeper race but this this is a procession really and um, I think it'll be just straightforward he can, for Paul Townend he can ride him whatever way he wants really Andy yeah it, it's hard to um, disagree with anything that Johnny said I'm, I've always been a big fan of Galapan de Chon. Um thought he'd win at Cheltenham last year backed him accordingly and couldn't believe you know what happened to him to be honest it was one, one of the most um Dramatic races, wasn't it? Even though we had four runners, um, um, and he's, look, everything about him is just top class. His time figures, even when an obvious, I, I was on this podcast before Cheltenham saying he's the quickest horse that we've got, uh, we've seen novice novice wise. He was better than Monkfish the year before uh, on 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 the figures, and it's kind of like scary to think what he can actually do now. He's up to three miles because we know he gets three miles. He won a Grade One. Um, and a good grain one at that, the Punchestown Festival as a hurdler. So he could actually improve for the trip. Um, I almost think Willie's been waiting and biding his time not to run him over it, just to kind of like um, keep the wraps on him almost uh, to a degree. Um, you know, very good in the John Dirk and made Faco Duderis look really, really slow. And we know he's not slow. So he's got everything really. Good jumper, Johnny said. Tactical speed for two and a half. He will stay three. The only question mark is will he stay three mile two around Cheltenham? But um, I think we'll get one or two of those questions answered this weekend because this is a stiff track and I think this will be a reasonably good test with Ken Boy in there. Um, he'll, he'll go off as he usually does and make it a good pace. If you're looking for something to bet without the favourite or forecast, maybe any second now, he's the kind of horse that will just keep grinding away and, and we know he's got a touch of quality as well and he stays really well. He, he might be ridden to pick up some pieces later on, but um, yeah, I think Galapanda Champ is going to be one of the Focal points with all those um, short price multiples a weekend and, and, and barring accidents, it's very difficult to see him getting beat. Before we move on to Sunday's four grade ones, I'm just going to have a look at those last few races on the card on Saturday. And, and jumping to the end, uh, Andy, the, the favourite for the um, for the bumper, uh, Facile Mode, um, heard you uh, on uh on Racing Weekly, Odds Checkers YouTube uh, show every Monday, um, talking about Facile Mode. What, what can you tell us about about the horse here? Yeah, he was a bit of a surprise winner here um, over the Christmas period. He went off 16 to 1. There wasn't much chat about him beforehand, uh, but there was loads of chat about him afterwards. I think um, one or two um, um, high-profile owners were after him. Um, after uh, in, in when the dust had settled, he, he still runs in the uh, the uh, owners' colours. So. He hasn't been sold yet. 
Um, but he might be after this weekend. Um, look, he, he was just really good. I mean, the time was good. It was a very strongly run bumper. You don't normally get strongly run uh, bumpers pre-Cheltenham, but this was one of the standout ones. He's the fastest one that we've got so far. There's been other better races collectively, i.e. better horses in it, and form lines have been stronger. But actually, end-to-end gallop, this is the best one. So I think he's the one to be. I think whatever beats Facile Mode will probably win. If there is going to be a fly in the ointment, I think it might well be um, Paul Burns' horse, the one at the bottom. Um, Emmett Mullins trains it. Um, Ferrinley, who got beat here last time out. Coincidentally, over the Christmas period, another one of those bumpers. I think there was a bumper every day, wasn't there? I was called Atlantique beat him, um, who was very strongly fancied on the day. But they pulled well clear of a horse called No Time to Wait. I was very impressed with him when he won the other day. He went to um, Dan Royal and he actually battered his field by 15 lengths, including a a well-fancied um, Willie Mullins train horse. And um, I like the way Farrelly kept on all the way to the line. Don't think he was quite 100% fit, if I'm reading between the lines that day. So if he comes on um, as he's anticipated, the fact that he's had a spin around the track, I think I'll stand him in good stead. So I think, like I said, I think Fasselmo's the one to beat. Um, but from an each-way perspective, odds around about 7-1 to one for Farrelly um, that also make quite a bit of appeal. Interesting stuff. Uh, another reminder that Racing Weekly is published every week on Odds Checkers YouTube channel. So join Rishi Passad and Sam Turner as they review the racing just gone and look ahead towards the Cheltenham Festival. On next week's show, the guys will be joined by Steve Mellish as they look at the Betfair hurdle at Newbury. But back on to the stuff uh, at Leopardstown on the weekend. And uh, Johnny, before we move on to Sunday, anything for you to add on those last three races on the card? I think it's worth, we're talking about William Mullins a lot, I think it's worth mentioning the um, three-mile handicap hurdle in the sense of Maxim and Jungle Pros. It took me a while to do the maths on this. Maxim and Jungle Pros, since they've joined Gordon Elliott, both of them managed to get beaten at Short Hods first time out, which is incredible. And there are people listening to this, or certainly people out there who backed them both days. Accumulatively, the two of them have improved by £91 in the meantime. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's over the course of a few months and I was like what did Maxim get for the last day so he's gone from 120 to 138 um, and he's <clears> be interesting because he absolutely hacked up and I, I couldn't believe how he won considering what he'd done up for his previous victory but I think what's interesting here is that you'd be slightly worried maybe that these horses are going to Cheltenham but Gordon Elliott has put claimers on both of them and Keen Quirk has been absolutely outstanding Riley gave a filly um, in a maiden hurdle at Fairy House for um for Michael Bowe last week I think was was rightly hailed as an unbelievable ride he's riding with incredible confidence he claims seven and I think that is significant in taking the burden off Maxim but the way he won the way he won the last day he's basically a certainty to be in the first four um, and what's to say he stopped improving um, and I, I'd be definitely willing to back him you probably get five places with some of the bookmakers mm. my bet of the day is get my drift in the handicap chase um, Mouse Morris has, has, has actually had numerically he's not had that many winners this season but his horses are in outstanding form um, his last I think five completed runners has had two winners and um, two places and get my drift a course winner over hurdles ran really well in a handicap hurdle his his um, chase debut was at Navin behind hollow games I thought he was massively eye-catching um, jumped slightly to his left at times but I wouldn't worry about that here um, and in these races you just want a horse that might have a little bit in hand he's making his handicap chase debut normally I don't like backing McManus horses on their handicap debut but I think this horse will <laughs> Um, definitely be lively in the market away of the sea is his top weight which is interesting um, so he's kind of um, he's the second one in the race for, for JP but I'd be very surprised if he's not better than a mark 130 he's a brilliant natural jumper of a fence certainly was at Navin anyway and uh, I think he'd be very well fancied 
Great stuff. Uh, there we go. Get my drift in the 410, uh, 11 to 4, pretty much across the board. And in the 340 for Johnny, uh, maximum 4 to 1. Uh, you mentioned five places. Sky Batch goes six places. Um, but they're 7 to 2. Paddy's 4 to 1, five places. And Jungle Pros, so, uh, it's 8 to 1. Yep, yeah, Andy, I know you're trying so, to get in. Yeah, just just a line before we go on to Sunday. Um, yeah. I think it's worth um, pointing out um, that Gordon Elliott is, is a very, very clever man when it comes to sort of weighing up his options. Um, and what he, I noticed what he has been doing in recent weeks, I don't know if Johnny's been onto this, he's been entering up a lot of these horses that he's going to potentially bring over to the Cheltenham Festival. There was a per attempts qualifier, I think, at Warwick a few weeks ago, and he entered up Jungle Pros, and I think he entered up another couple as well in it. What he does, he, he's basically seen what handicap marks that, that, that the UK assessor's given them. So he's got a bit of an idea. So he's, he's almost testing the water without actually crossing over the Irish Sea, if that, that makes any sense, mm. um, to see where he stands. And he also entered Maxim, I did notice, at Sandown this weekend in a two-mile-six race. Now, the UK handicapper gave him 145. So he's actually seven pounds higher over here. So he's probably thought, well, if I go straight to the per temps, I'm going to get 145. I'm going to be running for, what, 60 grand. I've got a chance of racing on home soil here off a mark of 138 for 59 grand, and I could take seven off. So you might think, well, is Maxim going to be organs blazing here with regards, you know, doing his handicap marking for Cheltenham? Well, if you work out the maths, it just makes absolutely perfect sense to come back here and win here because mm. he's absolutely striped half the field, including Percival de Galois. I mean, I know there might be a bit more to come from him. He's definitely an interesting runner, Percival de Galois, particularly now Gavin Cromwell's also in much better form. And the ground this weekend is not going to be probably as soft as it was um, at the uh, the previous meeting. But given the way Maxim won and the way he absolutely battered his field that day um, and the time he did, it's hard to see him not winning again, to be honest. So I'd just probably just keep it simple there and back Maxim again, just for all those reasons I outlined. Great stuff, Maxim. Uh, the, the pick for both guys. We've got to get through Sunday in about 15 minutes here, so we're going to have to do it fast. We've got to get to your questions as well. Um, we're just going to do the four grade ones on Sunday, starting with the um, the novice chase. Uh, Mighty Potter is the seven to four favourite. That's with William Hill, um, with James de Burley seven to two. Gaillard de Mesnil is five to one. Um, Journey with me eight to one. Uh, Churchstone Warrior fourteen to one. Kilcrit. Is sixteen to one, twenty-five to one. Bar those, Johnny. Tough races. I mean, look at the mm. look at the winners of us. We, we all remember Faheen winning Monkfish and Galloping Deschamps. Um, it's a belter of a race. I, it's a race I'm not overly um keen on having a bet in. To be honest, I know Andy will be very keen to see how Journey with me gets on because he likes impervious for Cheltenham and she was brilliant to beating him the last year. I think he's a very good horse. The the one thing about Mighty Potter is I think in terms of the visual impression he leaves um, would suggest that um, he's probably saving a bit and he seems to always just do enough. Um, but, you know, he, he hasn't been missed by the market here. I think on bare form, he's probably short enough. There are some very good horses in this. It's actually not a race I'm overly keen on having a bet in. It'll be interesting to see if uh, Gaia Dumenil runs. He was obviously exceptional here over the Christmas. This is far, far tougher. Um, I'd probably be inclined to see what price Mighty Potter goes out to on the day. And maybe if I got something like two to one or something like that, I might back him. But um, at the moment, it's an all-bet race for me. Andy? Look, I'm, I'm a massive fan of um, Mighty Potter. Um, you know, that Drimmore race is an absolute sensational piece of form. 
the two of them pull well clear. Him and Galliard de Mesnil, Bambridge, and Bambridge forms we we know has been franked as well. He was 18 lengths back in third. Um, there's been so many horses that have come out of that race and franked the form. Even the thing of Noel Meads that won last week, controversially, he fell at the last. He won next time out. So I think Mighty Potter is definitely the one to beat. I don't think Jono will get two to one. I think he's going to be sort of six to four. But if Galliard de Mesnil does ship up here, and that's the, judged by the market and the vibes, and the fact that Mullins is running two or three others here, then here, then everywhere. Hard to see him not being in the frame, Galliard de Mesnil. He's one of those horses that I don't think gets a really great press. But what has he got to do to kind of like um, win everyone over? I mean, he's a mm. proper Grade One horse. He's good enough to run in an Irish National. He's quick enough to run over two and a half miles. He proved in the Drinmore. And going down to the last, you couldn't really call it. I think probably the best horse won on the day, but don't forget Galliard was having his first from the season. Mighty Potter had already had a spin the time before, so it might have been a little bit of a fitness thing. He come here last time out, and everyone's going to make a big thing about three-stripe life falling, and his, his task was obviously simplified. But the time figure was still very good. He beat a good guy in Churchstone Warrior very easily. And given that he does like Leopardstown as well, um, I'd be more inclined to say five to one each way for Galliard de Mesnel. a better... Um, safety numbers bet than perhaps going in all guns blazing on Mighty Potter. Look, I think it's between the two, even withstanding Journey with Me might be in there, representing Purvis form as I touched upon. But at the prices, if he runs, then I'd be Galliard de Maison each way all day long. Five to one, best price that is with William Hill and Betway. Onto the Dublin Chase. Uh, Blue Lord is the three on favourite here ahead of Gentleman Demi at six to one. So Royale at eight to one. And Dunvegan, 16 to one. Fat to slow, 50 to one. And uh, it was, what, six weeks ago, Andy, you and I did a, one of these shows with Ed Quigley. And he got a feel for Ed because he got it too right, where he put up Blue Lord for the Ryanair, um, convinced the Blue Lord would be going for the Ryanair, not to realise just how impressive Blue Lord would be next time in the way that the champion chase would cut up. Um, and you have to think that if Blue Lord goes and, and replicates that form, there's um, those Ryanair tickets will probably be heading for the uh, for the recycling. Yeah, I mean, he's very unlucky, um, um, Ed, with that. I mean, it, it was a great call. It was the <coughs> right intentions at the, at the time as well. I mean, you could see he was trying to almost second guess what was going to happen. He's, he's got it right, but unfortunately, an Ergerman getting beat at Cheltenham is now completely through a spanner in the works. And you'd imagine if Blue Law comes through this as expected, as his odds suggest, they'll have no other option but to run him in the in the champion chase. Um, and that'll make that race particularly good with an Ergerman and Edward Stone and Blue Law now thrown into the mix. Um, look, you know, he should get a bit of a... Um, uh, 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 almost like a, a free pass here, really, because I mean, with the greatest respect to the others, I don't want to decry the likes of Sco Royal and Gentleman to me, particularly Sco Royal, he's been a, a great servant to connections. But I mean, Blue Lord's just in a different class to these. And, um, you, you know, we know Leopard Stanley comes alive here. So, yeah, he, he looks almost the, the biggest banker of all those short ones over the weekend. Johnny? I laid Blue Lord at Clonmel because I have considered him an out-and-out two-miler and I thought at Clonmel um, that he mightn't get home. I thought the race wouldn't suit him, yada, yada. I was nearly right. He ended up holding on by a neck. Um, but funny enough, after that race, I looked up his champion chase odds and he was 33-1. to 1, And um, what struck me at Clonmel was I just thought he looked absolutely fantastic um, physically. I thought he jumped brilliantly and he just looked like he was actually improving with age. Um, so I backed him at 33s each way for the champion chase, sort of hoping that, you know, 
something might happen, Shishkin maybe, that he was a little bit past his best. And you're, you're looking for a place. But now I think if Paul Townend did have the choice of the day, he's going to have a tough choice between him and Energamin. I think I'd be inclined to back Energamin as a saver at Cheltenham. I think he'll be ridden more forward the next day. And I think he'll, he will bounce back. But um, the, the one sort of thing I had against Blue Lord was, um, as much as he's a brilliant record over fence, I thought he did look a bit of a soft finisher at times, and particularly over hurdles and including in the article behind Edward Stone last year. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how he's ridden here because at, at Leopardstown the last day, Darren Jacob was able to tip away and um, the race kind of fell into his lap. He, he you know, Shaq and Persuas probably passed his best and he didn't have an awful lot to beat. But it's a, it's a similar story here. What will be interesting for me is how Darren Jacob rides him. Will he ride him more forward? Just keep it simple. Um, but he's, He's he's a little bit unheralded this horse. I've I got a I had a um, a taxi ride there a few months ago, and he was still twenty five, twenty eight to one, and it was a long taxi ride in bad traffic. <laughs> and I was watching a race that uh, I think I was watching a race at Dundalk on my phone, and we got talking, and I I said do you do you back horses, and he said. Ugh. Very odd time now. I was like, at least just put a five each way in this horse at thirty threes. I paid the fare, but hopefully he had the bet. <laughs> superb uh blue lord hopefully gonna you know seven to two best price now for the champion chase that hopefully will shorten up again um if he replicates uh that performance uh here over two miles and a furlong um next up we are two more um races to cover uh, we've got the irish champion hurdle next where Stateman is the five to four favorite that's with labrooks odds on in other places uh, ahead of honeysuckle at 15 to 8 voban at 130 uh, pied piper 40 to 1 and zana here 66 to 1 and uh, takangaroo uh, is 250 to 1 so we'll find out here johnny who is going to lay lay it down to constitution hill um will honeysuckle bounce back from at uh, cheltenham will, will uh, honeysuckle bounce back from that defeat last time out, or will Stateman confirm his credentials as being the one who will take on Nicky Saucer at Cheltenham? And will anyone lay it down to Constitution Hill? Is, is that might be the biggest question out of this? And I think, um, and he's on about ducking and diving and all that. <laughs> It's it's just fascinating that he he has avoided uh, these really good Irish horses so far, and I don't think any I don't think anyone would still have any concerns that he's going to beat them at Cheltenham, but. Um, I'm all over state man here. I just cannot have honey sucked at all. I was very disappointed in her at Fairy House. I thought her I thought it was a fairly lifeless effort from the second last, to be honest. She was beaten very quickly. Um and State Man for me, another horse that ended up winning a handicap, as I mentioned in the odds checker column I write on Thursdays, both he and Gallard Dumelil won their first race at Cheltenham in a handicap, which just shows how Willie Mullins is able to kind of flex his muscles. Um they've actually changed the rules this year with regard to handicaps um, and how many runs you've had, but that's for another day. State Man, um, I thought he was fantastic at Christmas. I thought Vauban was probably the value in the race, considering how good he was. Um, um, as a four-year-old last year and he beat him very very convincingly and I know that was another one, one of these messy races with no hurdles to jump but um, he's very very quick I, I've, I've been impressed by how straightforward he is as well he seems it seems to be that you can basically put him anywhere in a race um, and I, I think the effort Vauban made to beat Charger and to give him like a semblance of a race the last day was actually quite impressive and Stateman still bolted up. He was he was ridden quite interestingly in the race. Paul Townend was happy to kind of send him on early. Um, but for me, I mean, Honeysuckle dropping back in trip here, couldn't have it at all. I, Stateman for me was is, a, is probably a great bet at 5-4 because I think he's Vauban to beat who he, who he beat comprehensively the last day. Can't have Honeysuckle at all. Andy, um, Great bet at the top end here, state man for Johnny. Can't have honeysuckle. Are you in agreement? Yeah, I'm pretty much along the same lines. Um, I'll look be great for racing. I think this would probably be the 
event of the weekend if uh, Honeysuckle was to return to her best and, and win this. Uh, you'd have to have a, a granite heart um, if you um, you know didn't wish uh, Honeysuckle and their connections really well and give her a great cheer if she did came, come back and prove us all wrong. The ones that, uh, me included, perhaps think that she's probably slightly just on the decline. Um, that's just based on fact, really. You know, the fact that her time figure against Constitution Hill on the same day on the same card in last year's champion all suggested she's not as good as Constitution Hill and Constitution Hill I think has improved and Honeysuckle you know did get beat for the first time in in the Hatton's Grace now look there must have been there could have been a whole heap of factors fitness trip how the race was run we we, we don't really know that the uh the, the inner workings of of what went on and uh, how how she how she is into in comparison this weekend, um, but on all known viewing what I've seen so far, I think Stateman, as Johnny said, is is very much the the next best in this division. I think if it wasn't for Constitution Hill, he'd be talked upon in in much more favourable terms. Um, he's just very uncomplicated. He switches off. He's got a great attitude, a lovely turn of foot. I think there's more to come from him as well. Don't forget, he's only a six-year-old, and mm. I think you know the, the the sort of better competition he's getting, the, the better the better he's becoming. I think he'll confirm for with Vauban. Uh, although although I do think Vauban did run a nice race at um, Lipperstein last time out, but uh, yeah, I think if he can get odds against for Stateman, and that looks like being the case, I think he's I think he's probably one of the the better better bets of the short ones over the weekend. All I'm hearing is a state man lost his mouth galloper treble. Cheers, guys. Uh, moving on. And, and then Fasal Vega in the next. It was dodgy each way all day. <laughs> What's that? Hearing from you is looking for dodgy each way angles yeah. everywhere. Yeah, it's an each, each way each way fourfold that, isn't it? Uh, and, and then you have the each way uh, bets against it. Um, into the final race, we're going to be previewing in depth here. It is the Tattersalls. Ireland novice hurdle with Fasar Vega, the two to five favourite head of Gaelic Warrior at 15 to two. High definition, 15 to two. Dark Raven, 10 to one. Irish Point, 10 to one. In the pocket, 10 to one. Ilete Tomp, 10 to one. Um, Andy, come to you first here. Do we expect Gaelic Warrior to, to take on Fasar Vega? Um, no, I don't think so. I, I think because Fasar Vega is so dominant in his division, they'll probably look to um, play Gaelic Warrior in another race. The only other option for him is the handicap. That would seem the logical choice, Ben, as he looks like he's going to skip the Betfair hurdle and run him off a mark of 143 and say, and say well, let's um, see how he gets on and, and, and then take a view with him from, from there on after, whether he goes up in trip or, or maybe, I don't know. I don't, I don't, he's just a, such a difficult one to read, a Gallic Warrior. Yeah. There's been so much press about him. It's, uh, it, it, it's, it's hard to know, really. But I think Fasar Vega will, um, will win this and he'll win it comfortably. He's just a brute of a horse. He's got a great attitude. He, he jumping could just do with a little bit cleaning up here, then everywhere. But um, I, I don't, I don't think it's as bad as high definition. I think if you're backing him, you've got a huge worry that you know he could jump out to the right again. He, he, you can't afford to give anything away in a Grade One race, let alone a couple of errors here, then everywhere. He's only got to jump right once, and I think that'll be game over for him. Mm. He's got to really correct his uh, wrongs from the last day. I think if there's one at a, at a an each way price, if you look at again, if you're looking to bet without the favourite, and perhaps to take a view on one to follow home, Fasal Vega. It's look, it's not an absolute mythical if he if he was to win, and that's in the packet. Um, he jumped onto the scene at Wexford and clocked a massive time figure that day. And I, I think I went on here beforehand and uh, spoke about that number and a horse to follow for the rest of the season. And and, and then he beat 
a very good horse last time out in three card Bragg, who was a real out and out copper bottom stayer, and he beat him um, comfortably. That well, not comfortably, but he looked like beating him comfortably into the the stamp. The other horse's stamina kicked in. So I think dropping back in trip is not a bad policy within the pocket because he's already proved he can run a fast run two miles the time before at Wexford. So I think he's my idea of the horse that will chase down Fasil Vega. But again, I think William Mullins' horse is another one of those short ones that uh, we can uh, rely on this weekend. Johnny, anything to add? Uh, not not much. I think Gaelic Warrior probably will go for the handicap. Like he's he's realistically probably going for second here, which is thirty grand, and then he can go to the handicap, um, which is the following race. He'll run off a hundred and forty three, and that's for for ninety grand. But you know, one of the big talking points. View a lot of uh, British visitors going to uh, Leperstown this weekend. Apparently, the sales have been very good. One of the big talking points would be how many runners Willie Mullins has in almost every race, particularly the Grade Ones. And if you look at this race. Not only has he to decide what he thinks um, is best for every horse other than Facile Vega, he then has to suggest, well, maybe I'll run Gaelic Warrior in the handicap, but that would imply taking on Ikera Lenn, who's probably well handicapped in the same race. And Ikera Lenn's owner, J.P. McManus, has others in the same race. So there are lots of different kind of um, webs of kind of um, plans and and chats and information. Um, but, you know, it, it's just... Willie Mullins can basically flex his muscles and it's it's rare enough that you get a horse of Gaelic Warriors quality running in a handicap again but I think that's what will happen here and um, mm-hmm. as Andy mentioned about high definition to be fair as much as Willie's horse was heard that it was beaten since that form is actually working out very well I, I still I'm not a fan of the role of the revolving camera at all Um, I, I'd much prefer the, the old camera mm-hmm. work it's hard to know how badly right he jumped the last day but at least to me at, uh, at Leverstown that day it did look quite bad Joe O'Brien played it down afterwards um, but he's not going to get away with any sort of anthem of, of that here um, the one thing I would say about Willie's horses is I'd prefer to have five Willie Mullins trained horses in a race than um, five horses with an, with a different owner with, with the same owner rather if that makes sense who can kind of um, and you can see wild betting patterns Willie Mullins is a very honest trainer his horses run on their merits and as much as we've We've utter domination and monopolies uh, in these grade ones. The horses are running on their merits and there's nothing to stop you back in a second string of Willie Mullins and being worried that it won't run on its merits or will offer value or whatever. But in this race, I love Fasal Vega. I think I was, I was talking to very briefly, talking to Tony Mullins about um, Princess Zoe, where they're going to send her to stud. And he mentioned some flat stallions. Walk in the park is 25 grand. Staggering money for a national hunt stallion. But this one has worked out unbelievably well. He could be one of the best we've seen that Willie has trained, certainly the way he talks about him. And he has a bit of a kind of a machismo about him. He's a, he's a, mm. he's a swagger, this horse. Um, he's going to probably go over fences next season. But, you know, it, what struck me about his win the last day was um, Gordon, sorry, Gavin Cromwell had a horse who was absolutely battered in the race and that had been well fancied in the Royal Bond. He beat him 25, 30 lengths. The same horse then rocked up and won at Navin uh, comfortably since, um, whose name escapes me. And, Fasal Vega beat him absolutely doing handstands. He was in a completely different lead to him. While Gavin probably rates a grade one horse and um, he looks staggeringly... Path, path, path Doro. What's that, Andy? Path Doro, the name, I think, isn't it? Is that the one you're loading to? Yeah, Pat Daru, yeah. So Pat yeah. won. And the race at Navin sort of did fall apart a little bit, but Pat Daru won very well. Um, and he couldn't, he literally couldn't get anywhere near Fasal Vega at Leverton. He was given a quiet ride. Um, and this is a race for me to watch. I, I am, I've never backed Fasal Vega, but I do enjoy um, the kind of hype about him in the parade ring. I think this will be one of the races where there'll be loads of people over in the parade ring to get a look at him because he is a son of Quavega. He's very, very good looking. 
and there's just something about him. Uh, so it's just a race I can take betting out of this and just enjoy him. Great stuff. Uh, that um, We don't have time to, to cover the other races on the card on Sunday, sadly. Uh, before we let you guys go, I've uh, got a question for you. I'm going to have to pick one of these. Um, Andrew, we'll come to you first. Do you think Cheltenham Festival is losing some of its appeal due to the lack of competitive races or field sizes? That's from Owen. Um, I don't particularly feel that. Every time I go to the Cheltenham Fest, I've been going for donkey's years now. Um, if anything, I think it's becoming... Um, even stronger um, you know the crowds are, are always up to par um, the tickets are sold out look you know you, you you could argue that there are some races that have rather sport the landscape a little bit and we do get you know Willie Mullins dominating certain uh, areas like mayor's races for instance I think he's won 16 out of 24 mayor's races or something like that that probably needs addressing but generally speaking um if you're a National Hunt fan and, you know, you, you, you've, got a, you've got a real sort of soft spot for Cheltenham and have done over the years, then I, I, I don't particularly see anything that's, um, you know, making it waver in any way, shape or form. Yeah, I think I agree uh, with that one. And then just one for you as well, uh, Johnny. Uh, does the fact that the handicappers, sorry, does the fact that the handicaps have failed to fill for the second year in a row show the, the lack of horses at the li- at the higher level is not just a UK problem? It, that's a very interesting question. I, I completely disagree with Andy for the first time, I think, ever on what he said about Cheltenham. <laughs> a three-day festival, I think, you know, the, the field sizes are worrying. But yeah, like the, the entries... Leopard sounds a couple of issues here. It didn't get sponsors for all the races, which I think is a little bit alarming, or certainly hasn't at the time um, that I looked um, earlier in the week. And yeah, it, that is an interesting point because and and something that needs to be looked at a little bit in Irish racing that it's not it's not only a British problem at the top ends. And um, William Mullins' domination is definitely putting others off. And one one other small point on this, George, the 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 cost of ownership in Ireland, even relative to decent prize money, is so expensive now. It's so expensive. Ownership itself is becoming um, something that isn't, um, is basket case economically really for a lot of people. And even even syndicates, it can be very expensive to have a horse um, with, with the cost of everything now. And prize money isn't really keeping up to speed with this, even in Ireland. So um, there are issues and um, the concentration with William Mullins is, 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 isn't ideal. Um, but yeah, we, we, we do have like, I'm, I'm surprised at the numbers. This is our premier festival. This is better than Cheltenham in terms of quality condensed into two days. And we can't fill that. We can't fill the card nearly in a lot of the races. Interesting stuff. Johnny, thank you very much to both Johnny and to Andy uh, for sharing their insight, tips and also their thoughts there and reply to your questions. And don't forget to sign up to the brand new Cheltenham Super Service in the build up to the festival. Find exclusive insight from Andy and from Johnny, as well as market movers, news giveaways and even access to exclusive events. The sign up link is in the description below. And we're about to record a very quick Arkle preview as well, which you can find only on the super service so do sign up for that now do download the odds checker app for the best prices bookie offers free bets and the rest of it including andy's tips straight to the app every single morning of racing fingers crossed for a brilliant dublin racing festival a couple of winners in there as well we'll see you again next week and in the meantime please do ensure that you're gambling responsibly